0: You're listening to The Basics of Life with Rob Salvato, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Vista in Vista, California. These are the basics of life. Welcome to The Basics of Life Conversations. I'm Rob Salvato, and this is the interview edition of our program, where my role changes from Bible teacher to interviewer. In these episodes, I have the privilege of having some meaningful conversations about life, faith, culture and the transforming power that Jesus can bring to any person who responds in faith to his love and his grace. Today on the Basics of Life Conversations, we welcome back to the program, Jason Romano. Jason spent 17 years at ESPN as a senior manager and an Emmy award-winning producer. He created and produced content for such shows as SportsCenter, Monday Night Football, Mike and Mike in the Morning, Sunday NFL Countdown, College Game Day, and the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And if you are a sports fan like myself, I'm sure that you are grateful to Jason for all those contributions. Today, he is the host and producer of the Sports Spectrum podcast, a show that is about the intersection of faith and sports. It's a great podcast. He's also an author and a speaker. And last time, when Jason was on our program, we talked about his excellent book entitled Live to Forgive, Moving Forward When Those We Love Hurt Us. It's a book about Jason's relationship with his alcoholic father. And I got to tell you, I love this book. It was raw, it was moving, it was very, very well written and super insightful. And if you have any kind of a difficult relationship that you are dealing with right now in your life, I would highly recommend that book. Today, Jason and I are going to be talking about a new book that he has coming out on the subject of leadership, but we're going to begin by discussing the unprecedented times that we are living in right now. And let me just set the stage for those who might be listening to this on our podcast version at a later date. We right now are living in the midst of a global pandemic because of the coronavirus, which has also been called COVID-19. The whole world has pretty much been in a shutdown mode and most of the world living in home isolation in an attempt to slow down the spread of this virus. As of today, there are almost 3 million confirmed cases worldwide and tragically over 190,000 deaths. Here in the U.S., New York and New Jersey have been hit the hardest, and since Jason grew up in Albany, New York, I wanted to get his perspective and his reaction about what's been going on there in New York. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Jason Romano. Well, welcome back to the program, Jason.
1: It's great to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And uh, hey, before we get started, how are you and your family holding up in these unprecedented times that we're living in?
1: We're holding up okay. You know, thankfully everybody is safe and healthy. And those are the two most important things here. You know, we're up here in the Northeast and, Connecticut and, you know, close to New York City. And it's obviously hitting a a lot of us here, you know, harder maybe than some other areas around the country. And, you know, I have friends uh, of mine who have contracted the virus and, you know, been able to overcome that and, and return to good health, thankfully. But, you know, other than that, everything's kind of like everybody else, you know, on pause, you know, my my wife and I already work from our homes. So there wasn't a lot of adjustment there, thankfully, but you know, we still have to get used to having our daughter home and, you know, her doing school from home and not being able to go anywhere really. And uh, just like everybody else, kind of hoping that this thing passes as soon as possible, but want to stay as safe and and be uh, as smart as we can throughout all of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jason, last time that you were on the program, we talked about your book on forgiveness, which is such a great read. And today we want to talk about your new book that is coming out. But before we do that, I, I actually wanted to get your thoughts as a former New Yorker about how you know, the virus is affecting that part of the country. I think it's hard for you know, all of us to watch what has gone on there, but you know, even harder for somebody like you that spent so much of your life living there. So you know, what's kind of been your perspective about what's been happening in New York and New Jersey?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, certainly I grew up in upstate New York in Albany, the capital of New York State, and it's about two hours north of New York City. But, you know, I mean, I live in Connecticut now and I'm equally as close to that New York City area in Hartford area of Connecticut. So it's, you know, it's it hits you hard. I mean, I remember 9-11, you know, when I was younger. Obviously, I was in my 20s, but I remember when 9-11 happened and, you know, that felt like uh, a little bit more of a sting for for us here because we are closer you know two hours to New York you to get in the car and drive and could be there in a couple hours and it's very close and you know a lot of people there I certainly when I worked at ESPN I knew a lot of people who would work in New York and come back to Connecticut and then kind of go back and forth so you know New York is is very close and, and you know they're they're going through a lot you know they really are I mean it's it's a dense population especially right there in the city and you can see why there's been a lot of cases and unfortunately a lot of deaths but you know they're they're a resilient group and you know they're fighting through this same with new jersey and you know we're all going to get through this together it's all we can do and you're sad to see what's happening but you're you also i've been as as sad as i am and you know all the news i think outlets always start with the amount of cases and the amount of deaths unfortunately you know i'm always trying to find what's the positives out of these and you see so many people coming together and you know the the first responders getting to do um, diligence that they should get you know, and the love that they should be getting anyways, but even more now with what's going on, so you know you find the positives in situations like this the best you can and and you try to move forward,
0: yeah, do you know anybody that's in New York City? you know anybody personally that has the virus, and are they doing okay now or
1: not in new york i mean i'm I know of people you know from some of the names that might have been listed on you know social media through places you know, but the people I referred to earlier, the couple of friends that I have, they're up here in Connecticut, you know, and they, you know, one had it and didn't have the after effects of it as much as some other people did. And then another friend did and had, you know, really nasty, you know, side effects from being sick and the flu-like symptoms, but compound that. And, you know, the one friend is uh, a guy who goes to my church, who's one of, uh, you know, uh, a first responder type of Uh, role that he has and job that he has and uh, you know doing paramedics work and so he had to be tested because of his job and he tested positive but he had the symptoms too but he's overcome that and he's okay now he had to quarantine for a couple weeks and he came back and he's good now and so I think we're seeing a lot of those stories as well and you know certainly the ones that don't end the way you would hope are very sad and you know it stinks that things like this have to happen. But you, like I said, you try to look for the positives and I'm glad my buddy is, is okay and praying for certainly everybody else who has it.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. We've had a couple people in our church that got it and as well, they have recovered and, but you know, it's just tragic to see, you know, what is going on and, and how it's affecting people. And, you know, we're just praying. I know we've been really just praying that, through this, we might see, you know, just God bring a revival to, you know, the world as a whole. I think that would be amazing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to switch gears now and talk about your new book that is coming out. And um, so what's your book about and who is it for?
1: Yeah. So this new book is called The Uniform of Leadership. It comes out at the end of July 2020, really excited about about this book. This is one that if I was ever going to write a book, you know, five years ago, if you said, hey, you're going to write a book someday, what do you think you'll write it on? It would have never been uh, a book on forgiveness, I'll tell you that much. It's just kind of the way it happened with my first book. But the second book is actually more along the lines, and it's a leadership book, but it's really focused on stories and experiences and lessons that I learned from my time at ESPN. And I have a ton of stories, 17 years working there, met a lot of different people, interacted with tons of different famous athletes and celebrities because of the nature of what my job was. So as we started thinking about, would I write a second book, what would it be on? We came up with the idea to write a book on leadership, but the leadership lessons in the book are really focused on the true success and the experiences that I saw and went through from my ESPN journey, my ESPN life. So that's what it's called. It's called the Uniform of Leadership, and it really focuses on, you know, timeless leadership lessons. You know, it's, what you're going to read in here isn't anything shockingly new as far as the lessons go on leadership, but you're going to read stories and hear about them hopefully that you've never seen anything like, you know, before and stories from ESPN that are are only my stories. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, We just submitted the manuscript a couple of weeks ago to be finalized with the publisher and it's going to print now. And I should have a copy in my hand, hopefully sometime in, in mid to late June. And it comes out at the end of July. I'm really pumped for it.
0: That's great. Well, I'm excited to read it. Would you say the writing style is similar to your book on forgiveness? Because I really, really, enjoyed that book. I thought it was an excellent, the way that it was written, it was raw. It was really, really, you know, a great book to read. It's a book that I've been recommending quite a bit to people I know who are, you know, going in through crisis or having a difficult, you know, relationship. Is this book, is the style of it similar in its writing style?
1: Yeah, somewhat. I mean. Myself and uh, my co-author, Stephen Copeland, Steve worked with me on the first book, Live to Forgive, and he's back for the second book. So when you combine his writing style and my voice, it's going to be very similar in that way, which is good. I think the idea is always to be transparent in the best way possible when we uh, tell stories, Steve and I together. And that's really what this book is. It's as transparent as I can get. The one thing I'll say is. My goal when I wrote this new book, The Uniform of Leadership, was not to have it be a tell all behind the scenes secret stories of life at ESPN. That's not who I am and that's not what I was trying to do here. The stories are all positive and they're all, you know, mixed with stories of of faith, you know, and, and obviously this book is a, a Christian book. It's not just a, a leadership book, but I wrote it in a way very similar, I think, to Live to Forgive. That would be that readers who are not believers could still take away a lot from it. Uh, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me who read Live to Forgive and they are not believers or uh, people of faith at all, or maybe a different faith, and they still found that book helpful to them. And so that's what I'm hoping with this book as well. You know, I never shy away from my faith, and there's scripture, lots of scripture in the uniform of leadership. But at the same time, I want coaches, I want you know, businesses, teams to go to, to go through this book together. And it's written in that way where at the end of each chapter um, you'll come across what, what I would call discussing the uniform. And it'll, it gives you three, four or five questions about each chapter, what you just read and kind of having a discussion point. So you can go through it with small groups or with small teams or even large teams. Um, so that's really the idea here is to write a book that's transparent, that's honest, that's encouraging. And that helps all of us because we all have, you know, a sphere of influence. So we're all leaders in some capacity. And the question is, are we leading for the name on the front of the jersey or the name on the back? And that's really what the form of le- uniform of leadership is about. Well,
0: I love that. That's a great analogy. Let me ask you, who, who have been some of your biggest influences as a leader? There's plenty of
1: them. I think, you know, going back from a family perspective, one of the greatest leaders I ever saw was my grandfather. And, you know, he, I dedicated the first book to him, Live to Forgive. And he's probably the greatest guy that I've ever that I've ever known and continues to impact me for, you know, years after he's passed. And, you know, the great thing about my grandfather, the, the great leader that he was, he led by example and he led with a humble spirit. And he led with a quiet, gentle sort of way about himself. And I, I've struggled with doing that throughout my life. I'm not. I wish I had the quiet, gentle, uh, kind sort of soul. I think I'm kind, but like I, I, I'm not. I always strive to be as good as him or to be like him because he he was probably the first real leader I ever saw in my life. So he's been a huge impact. And there's been many others. You know, my my first radio host that I ever produced for was a great leader back in, you know, like the mid to late 1990s. And he was a great leader because he cared for me in a deeper way than just somebody who was working with him on a daily basis, right? And uh, those are some of the great, you know, leaders that I think about today. You know, the the greatest leader, in my opinion, is Jesus. And when you look at what his life was, was like and how he lived it, you know, I just go right to the scripture where he said, hey, the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when you really look at that scripture, you know, this is Jesus, right? He could come to this earth and say, listen, I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. I'm making this claim and I expect you all to serve me. And nobody would think less if he really was who he says he was, right? But at the same time, that's not how he, he is. He came and he said, listen, I'm here to serve. And so I look at his life and really that's that's the best example of leadership that I'll ever kind of think about or come up with is is looking at the life of Jesus and then trying to exemplify that into all the different aspects of my daily life and honestly that's kind of where this uniform of leadership concept and book comes from is a life lesson on leading from our, the name on the front versus the name on the back is a sort of metaphor but you're leading by serving you're leading by loving and caring others and it's about others first, being others-focused and not about ourselves. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities, I guess, in the sense of forgiveness, too, you know, in the in the sense of, you know, seeing through the lens of Christ. And with this book and the idea of leadership, I'm seeing it through the lens of Christ. And he was a great servant leader, if not the best ever.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting about that is I think we get that as believers. You know, we we understand that but that whole concept of being a servant leader is one that is becoming very popular in the business world today and it's just interesting you're hearing a lot of you know business leaders who aren't necessarily you know christ followers but they're talking about this concept of you know being a servant leader and you know they're realizing that there's something you know to that and, you know, so that's encouraging from the standpoint of, you know, maybe an opportunity for even a broader audience for your book as they, you know, as other people, you know, hear that, okay, this is what the focus is. And I'm, I'm going to be praying that the Lord would really, you know, use that because, I mean, we know how big the sports world is and, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that God, you know, puts you specifically for a purpose and a reason for 17 years at ESPN. No doubt he used you a lot there, but I think there's a great opportunity for, you know, God to use that sphere of influence that you had in the sphere of influences, you know, that he's gonna give you now in a broader way. And I think this book's gonna be a big part of it. So that's really that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Is there a section in the book that deals maybe with a story that was a difficult story lesson that you had to to learn or, you know, go through that you could kind of give us a little bit of a taste right now of uh something that's in the book.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely give you a little teaser. I, I don't know how, I wouldn't call it a difficult lesson to learn in the sense of what the story stands, you know, for or exists for. But what I would say is, you know, when I when I got to ESPN, I became a, a talent booker probably about five years into my journey. And that allowed me to meet and spend time with a lot of celebrities, athletes. Coaches, different people, especially ones that you would know, and one of those was uh, Drew Brees. And Drew Brees came to ESPN about ten years ago, and I got to spend the day with him and kind of take him to the shows that he needed to be taken to. And you know, I, I saw a guy. Here's how. Here's how Drew Brees led. Right? It wasn't leading me per se, but it was how he carried himself as a leader. He had just won the Super Bowl. Okay, put yourself in this position. We had just won the Super Bowl. He had just won the Super Bowl MVP. And he's coming to ESPN. He's the only guest that ever came to ESPN who ever asked for time to work out. Now, that may be surprising, but most people who come to ESPN want to just spend the day at ESPN and do their show and promote whatever they're promoting. In this case, Drew Brees was promoting his book. And yet, Drew said, I need time to work out. And he worked out. Not only did he work out in our little ESPN gym, but he brought a football and he was throwing footballs on the green in front of the cafeteria to get his throwing in. And I watched this guy. I'm like, Drew, why are you doing this? Like, you just won the Super Bowl and you're the Super Bowl MVP. You know, can't you, you know, take a day off? And he's like, nah, Jason, this is how it works. He's like, if I'm going to ep- represent Christ the way I need to represent him, then it says I got to do my work with excellence. And so if I'm going to be my, do my work with excellence and I got people counting on me, I got to get my throws in today. And he said, it's also a really, you know, not for long type of job. And there's two guys right behind me who want the position that I have. And so I got to do my best to be my best for my teammates and to do it for God. And I thought, wow, what an example of leadership from Drew Brees of all people. And to be able to, to take that and tell that story in the book is something, something that I'm really excited about for people to see and, and, and read.
0: That's a great story, and I love that guy. I, I was really sad when the Chargers got rid of him, but I've been so just excited to see, you know, how well he's done in um, New Orleans and with the Saints because he is a really genuine follower of Christ, and you know, just such a a great guy. Well, I want to end our conversation on a lighter note, and I want to talk some basketball, specifically the Michael Jordan documentary. Were you excited to hear that this was coming out?
1: I was very excited. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm 46. So I grew up, you know, Michael Jordan came in the league in 1984. And I would have been, what, 11 years old. And he retired in 98. And then again in 2003. And by this time, his last go around with the Wizards, I was, you know, in my I was almost 30 years old and I was, you know, married and working at ESPN. So it was a different, you know, scope and, and journey from where I started with Michael Jordan to where I ended. But I was not a huge Michael Jordan fan. I was always in awe of him and and admired him and even wore his sneakers when I was in high school. I had right. to, I had three or four different <laughs> pair of Jordans that I wore, just yep. like every kid. Yep. Uh, but I was I'm a Celtics fan. And so Larry Bird is my guy. And that was my sports hero. But in the 90s, the Celtics were bad and Bird had retired. Right. And so I had nobody really to root for or kind of follow. So you gravitate naturally towards who's winning. And the Bulls won six out of eight times in the 90s, six out of six times when Jordan was playing. So when you look at that, yeah, I was very excited. I knew the, the idea of excitement wasn't necessarily about Jordan. It was about the behind the scenes footage that had never been shown. Yeah. For me, I'm like, really? Does, you're telling me that there's, you know, multiple hours of footage that has not been shown and has been in a vault for 22 years? Really? Yeah. Let's see what's behind this thing. And then you realize, you know, Jordan is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And when you watch how the greatest of all time carried himself, and then you intersperse that with new interviews. Oh, man, I was so pumped. I was hoping for. I think they released the original docu- or the original trailer for this like in two two thousand and eighteen. And so people had to wait like a year and a half. And I'm like, wow. why are they releasing a trailer this early? But it got excitement rolling. It's really kind of a smart decision by ESPN and now, man, now that now that it's here and the ratings were you know through the roof yeah. the first couple episodes. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. What was your take on the first two episodes?
1: I really liked them. I, I found myself, you know, riveted by some of the interviews especially the scotty pippen part i thought you know i remembered that pippen wasn't paid as highly as he should have been but i didn't realize he was like the sixth highest paid player on his own team yeah and he was probably you know he wasn't as good as michael but he was right behind him and he was named one of the 50 greatest players of all time in 1996 or 7. And yet he was still making, you know, it's, it's, it's still a lot of money, but $2.4 a year <laughs> right. when he was probably a 15 to $20 million guy a year. Yeah. So that kind of blew me away, and I had forgotten that he was requesting a trade. So that's where the episode, I think, two ended. I really enjoyed the kind of look back. It, it spent a lot of time kind of reminding people of who Michael Jordan is and where he came from, right. which for people my age, I already knew that. But I think the younger generation, you know, under 25 maybe watching oh, yeah. that has no clue that this dude was cut from his high school basketball team, has no clue that he actually wasn't the number one overall pick and that he broke his foot and missed you know, 60 games and almost didn't come back. And then when he did, he scored 63 points in a playoff game against the Celtics. Like All of that was wonderful to kind of re-remind – you know, or via as a reminder and see it. I knew it all, but it was nice to kind of see it with updated interviews. I'm excited that the younger fans gonna see yeah. how this guy was wired and the amazing things that he accomplished. Yeah,
0: my daughter, she's 29, and she was okay. watch, watching it with me, and you know, she is just so excited because same thing. She'd never, you know, she heard about Jordan, but she'd never really seen him play. So she was sure. just riveted and, and she didn't realize that, you know, the episodes were going to come out every week. And so the next day she was like, can we watch the next two? And I said, we got to wait another
1: week, you know? I know. I wish it it was like a Netflix thing where they were releasing them all at once. But at the same time, I kind of like the old school way of watching a couple episodes and then you tune in the following week and ESPN knowing that there's nothing else to watch was very smart in doing that so they can get the ratings and, you know, have sort of an appointment Appointment based television, which is really gone in today's age, unless it has to do with a live sporting event. Right. If it's just a documentary, people are like, just release all eight episodes and watch them on Netflix. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I like that ESPN is kind of going back to a little bit of the ways that you and I grew up with when you had to tune in at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night to watch something. Yeah.
0: Now, we had a conversation a while back after the passing of. Kobe Bryant, where we were actually talking about the goat, the idea of who's the greatest of all time. And, and we we were talking about the, you know, the challenge or the the debate between LeBron and Jordan. And do you think (laughs) this documentary is going to solidify Jordan as the goat, or do you think we need to wait till LeBron's career is over to decide? Yeah,
1: that's a fair question. I think waiting till his career is over is probably the, ultimately the right answer in this. I don't I don't know if LeBron can ever get to Jordan's level though, personally. I think that I have friends though that that completely disagree with me. I have really good friends who are diehard basketball junkies who know hoops like I do. And they are convinced that LeBron has surpassed Jordan as far as talent. Now, six out of eight titles or six out of six titles, never losing in the finals. You know, there's things that Jordan has done that LeBron can't do you know, like he's already lost multiple times in the finals, but I think, you know, talent wise, I think LeBron is, is creeping right, right up there. I think he's number two, but he's not that far away from being number one. And I went, you know, I just get, I get back to my high school days. Sometimes when, when I start watching old YouTube clips or watching a show like, like the Jordan documentary, and I'll go on, you know the internet and i start reading up on lebron's stats and i saw him and i was like oh my goodness other than a couple injuries here and there in years like last year with the lakers he's doing things that only jordan has done as far as his numbers like he's 35 years old right now and he's averaging 26 a game and jordan was 35 and averaging 28 a game Mm. and so i think in the next two to three years now jordan came in when he was 21 and LeBron was 18, but it's still pretty impressive when you compare those two. Yeah, It's it's not that far off. It really isn't. But I think Jordan's still going to be the GOAT. And I think this documentary will help him not hurt him. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, this, and and this year, you know, this season with it potentially, you know, being over is definitely going to hurt LeBron because I think they really had a good chance this year.
1: Absolutely. um, Yeah. And I think, I do think we'll have a season, uh, of some sort, even if it's like 10 games and then a shortened playoff, but I think there's going to be something that we get with basketball. I just think there won't be any fans and it'll be in a sort of, you know, weird setup. That's just my guess. I have no idea, but I do think we'll see something, you know, in, in June, in July, but you know, if not, then yeah, it is a wasted season and it kind of hurts, It hurts LeBron a little bit because this was a year where I think they had a legitimate shot at winning it all. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Well, hey, it has been fun having you on the podcast today. And uh, before we go, can you just mention one more time how many points Jordan scored in that playoff game against the Celtics?
1: (laughs) (laughs) See the Celtics won. That's what I really want to say. Uh, Boston won the game, uh, but Jordan had sixty-three points, right. still a, still an NBA record today. Yeah, nobody's ever gotten more points than Michael Jordan in a playoff game. I get it, but the Celtics won the game. That's all I'm saying.
0: That's true, and they won the one. They won the whole series. So all right, but uh, hey, tell our listeners um, about your ministry and how they can learn more about Sports spect- Spectrum and your new book that's coming out.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. My, my, the Sports Spectrum website where I work with and the Sports Spectrum Ministry, the intersection of sports and faith, that's just simply sportspectrum.com. And that's an easy way to find us, an easy way to connect with us and, and see some of the great stories, devotionals. Uh, you can listen to every podcast there. There's lots of good content. You want to bookmark it and, and check it out every day over at sportspectrum.com. And then uh, my website is simply my name, Jason Romano.com, and it has you know, information about speaking, information about my my first book, "Live to Forgive," and the new book, which I'm really excited about, called "The Uniform of Leadership," coming out at the end of July, 2020. You can pre-order them right there on my website, and uh, yeah, it's just an exciting time and. You know, certainly, with everything that's going on, it's a weird time as well. Yeah. But I also know that the Lord is, you know, doing what He's doing for whatever reason, and I'm excited to see what He's going to continue to do.
0: That's great, and uh, you know, Jason, I'm a big fan of the Sports Spectrum podcast. Uh, I think you do a amazing job on there. I really enjoy the interviews that you have, and uh, as I mentioned before, I really, really enjoyed your first book. Can't wait to read the second one. And I'm even thinking about taking our team here at the church through it. I think it would be a a great discussion, uh, open up some great discussion for us. So um, once again, I know you're a busy guy, but I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, be with us and always enjoy talking with you.
1: Rob, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, all the blessed to you, buddy.
0: Well, that concludes our conversation for today. You know, the goal of this podcast is to bring you meaningful conversations that are meant to inspire, enlighten, encourage, and bring hope to your heart. Our show is produced by the awesome team at His Productions, and we are also a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. For more Christ-centered content, I would encourage you to check out their website at www.goodlion.io. I'm Rob Salvato, and until our next conversation, remember to keep the basics of your life simply Jesus.